With this infinity gauntlet, I, Thanos, will rule the universe! Alright, squaddies, time to hero up! Hey there, welcome to MCU Complete Me, the show where we talk about various content of various mediums in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and decide how bad they suck. I am your host, Crystal, and with me as always is Luke. You had me at hey, but then you lost me with everything you said after hey. Uh, what do you take issue with? Um, that usually when you introduce this show, you say it's t- about talking about movies in the MCU and why they suck. And now you're talking about various contents in various mediums. Yeah, you know, use television shows, tie-in comics, well, uh, theme park uh, rides. Wait, uh, hold on a second. You, mm, you are very insistent that we need to do the Disney Plus shows, and I eventually relented. And it's really you're breaking open uh, a whole like dam here. I mean, we. I, I'm, I'm not saying we have to be comprehensive. I'm just trying to, you know, hey. give us more flexibility. Because you really want to make me talk about WandaVision for some reason. You don't have to talk. It's not that good. <laughs> you don't have to watch WandaVision. But I'm saying, like, if you watch She-Hulk and you want to talk about it, now we, you know, previously we couldn't because it was just a movie podcast. Now we could. You. This is a this is a turn from the last time we discussed this. You're like, no, we we got it. Let's let's talk about them. And I was like, ah. Okay. And now you're out here like, oh, no, we don't have to. Just, you know, you know. Listen, we don't have any, like, obligations here. We can do whatever we want. It's better to do things that we enjoy. That's true. And I think in two weeks, we're going to really, or not two weeks, but in two episodes, we're really going to demonstrate that we can do whatever we want with this podcast. (laughs) Yes, we are. Given what we've discussed. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in the next movie we watch after Spider-Man 2, a movie I keep forgetting exists. Uh-huh, yeah. Because this this is the end of the Infinity Saga, Luke. It's the culmination of 22 films. Yeah, it's it's the end game. Yeah, like he said in Avengers 2. He's going to space, that's the end game. Wait, when do they say that in Avengers 2? Uh, he's talking about how we need to make Ultron. He's like, you know, busting arm dealers, that's all well and good, but someday Thanos is going to attack us, and that's the end game. Oh, because they also say Endgame in Infinity War when fucking Doctor Strange is like, yeah, this is the one way we can win. We're entering the Endgame. And then he dissolves. They say it in two movies. Infinity War is not a good movie. It's, I, I, I've been rattling around in my head whether this movie is better or worse than Infinity War. Me too. My first gut reaction was, oh, this is easily better than Infinity War. But now I'm less sure. We'll see how I come down by the end of this episode. I went through the same arc as you. I saw this movie when it came out and initially it came out. Now, you know, there are problems with it, but I think I liked it better than I expected after how bad Infinity War was. Yeah, that's definitely how I felt. And then it sat in my gut and I was like, hmm, maybe this movie kind of sucks too. So, and we'll get into it and talk it out and I will come to a more concrete opinion as we go. My gut right now is that there are individual scenes and sequences that are better than anything in Infinity War. But in some ways that's almost worse because it proves that they're capable of making good movies and just choose not to. I will say, I think one thing we can agree on, this movie does not need to be 183 minutes long. Two! Unnecessary. It's not like they're going through such a deep material that they simply couldn't do it in two hours. No, a full, like, about a quarter of this movie is just CGI bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, they really take an hour to, like, put the team together, an hour to do the heist, and then another hour for their stupid big fight, which looks like shit. Yeah, and I think each hour is worse than the last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... 
you saw this movie for the first time, right? Yeah, I saw it for the first time a few hours, like this morning slash this afternoon. I remember every time I would tell you a small detail about this film, you'd be like, man, what the fuck is Endgame? Yeah. And that kind of built up this movie in my head. But then when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's, I mean, it's just a movie. It's like not, it's, you know, kind of boring, actually. There's a few dumb nonsense bits that I think are things you told me about, but like they just kind of happen and move on. Yeah, you probably could edit this movie to like put more emphasis on the dumb nonsense bits, but yeah. they kind of just breeze past them. Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, two hammers, anyway. The beginning of this movie is, it feels almost like a series of web shorts cut together. It's like they didn't really know how to start this movie, so they put like all five of their ideas back to back. I can kind of see what you're saying. I'll say, um, I'm already forgetting most of how this movie starts, but the first two sequences, I like a lot. First sequences, we've got Hawkeye, the Forgotten Avenger. He's playing with his family. You know, they're having hot dogs, shooting bows, tossing baseballs around, but uh, then they get snapped, except for Hawkeye. The Russo brothers had uh, a really revolutionary idea with this movie, which was, what if we did, like, one good Hawkeye scene for once? <laughs> Hawkeye had a couple of nice scenes in Civil War. Oh, what? Mm. Like, you know, nothing fantastic, but when he shot Ant-Man on his arrow, you know, that was that was fun. I guess. Uh, this scene is also the one time that, like, at least, you know, looking at Infinity War and Ant-Man and then this, this is the one where I'm like, oh, this is like selling the horror of what happened with the snap. Like, I this feels effective to me in a way that just that stuff hasn't been so far. Just like the way, like, his family members keep, like, walking off screen and then not walking back on screen. It's good. Yeah, when he just, like, turns around and they're gone. Like, yeah. it's not climactic. It just happens. Have you... You probably... I do not think you were brought up in, like, any kind of, like, evangelical Christian culture, right? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, so, the one thing I will say is I do think this is an effective scene. It also looks like uh, a scene from a big-budget left-behind <laughs> movie. Oh... Oh man, that'd be. F I, I bet that happened within the universe. Some people were like, the rapture happens. And we stay behind because we're bad Christians. We'll talk about that later because I think uh, this movie could have maybe thought through a little more what the world might be like in a post-snap uh, reality. And like done some more exploring of what the Earth would look like in that situation. Yeah, it's weird how they set this up as such a big deal. This is going to affect the whole universe. But they don't really want to linger on what that would look like. Yes. Like, not even any of the TV shows have explored what this five-year period would be like. Which is weird. Well, but, uh, it, it's a thing where you know in the back of your head this movie is gonna, like, even when it was brand new, you knew it was gonna end with everybody coming back to life, and it does make it hard to get that invested in this world of, like, oh god, it's been devastated, this is horrible. Like, yeah, but, I mean, you're gonna fix it, so I guess let's just fix it, you know. The next scene with Nebula and Tony stuck on the ship is good in a vacuum. Uh-huh. However, it does trick me because it makes me think, oh, maybe like Nebula will be a major character in this movie and like her friendship with Tony will be important, but they never speak to each other again. They never speak to each other again. Nebula is kind of a major character in this movie. She's important in order to like be a plot device to set up the big fight. And she gets a little bit with like her past self and her sister, but it's on like the level of Hawkeye's arc. You know, she's not, I wouldn't say she's a main character. I would say this is a very overstuffed movie with a a billion characters such that no one really gets a good clean complete character arc i'd say nebula gets the closest you don't think they spend the most time on tony oh they 
really spend the most time on him, but he's in, like, one mode the whole time. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like Nebula, there's more, like, going on, even if it's not enough for me to be like, yeah, good story. This thing just feels like, in microcosm, the problem with most of these movies, which is, like, this either needs to be a bigger part of the movie, or you need to cut this. Yeah. Like, you spend so much time on this for not following up on it at all. I do like the scene, though. It's a good scene in and of itself, yeah. Yeah, like, they're playing, like, finger football, and, like, they're both tired and angry because they're the only ones that survived on whatever fucking planet they fought Thanos on. And, uh, it's just them, like, kind of... They're both a little bit dead inside, but they're like, ah, you know, we gotta pass the time somehow. This is kind of fun. Yeah, and Tony's giving, like, a speech to... He's recording a, a broadcast to, like, to Pepper. Like, yeah. with no belief that it will ever get to her. Right. About how he's gonna die. And, you know, I'm sorry for leaving. Like I said, I wouldn't. I'm yeah. trying to be a big hero man, but failing and fucking up. Right. There's also the tragedy of, like, Nebula's gonna live longer than him, because she's a robot lady. Yeah. So she also has to, like, watch her friends slowly die yeah yeah uh like you could it wouldn't work as a marvel movie this would work as just like a movie though if it was just on this ship with two characters that like are making friends with each other as one of them's dying in space or whatever that sounds like a good movie yeah it does sound like a good movie that'd be <laughs> even if you made this like say a mini series that'd be a fun little uh one episode yeah uh-huh uh, but I do like this scene of uh, Tony, like, talking to Pepper through his helmet. Like, Robert Downey Jr. gets to, like, act in some of these scenes in this movie instead of just being, like, a joke machine. And that's nice. Yeah, and when he is a joke machine, it's usually to his daughter, which makes it land better because he gets to be a funny, cool dad. Yeah, and most of the time when he's being, when he's rattling off jokes the rest of the time, he is so worn down and tired and hopeless that you can, it feels like a defense mechanism and not like lazy writing. There's a few where I'm like, okay, that joke didn't need to be there. But for the most part, I think Tony is pretty well written and pretty well acted in this movie. I agree. It reminds me of Age of Ultron. Um, I said good, though. <laughs> well, no, Age of Ultron is the other movie where, like, sometimes in the middle of the big stupid fights, they'll have, like, characters acting and being nice to each other sometimes. Sure, that is true. I'll give you that. This movie has both some of the most of characters, like, being nice to each other, but also characters bullying each other for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to continue saying nice things about the part of the movie I like that we're in right now, the, like, we don't have any dialogue from the scene, but you just have a shot of, like, Tony trying to share some of like their rations with nebula and she's like no i don't actually need those and he eats them and it's just it's a nice little scene with those two yeah they should have made more tony nebula content i agree i'm with you it's like tony also has like daddy problems they could talk about that yeah yeah that's true they don't really they could connect over that that might make that howard stark scene matter more you remember when tony had like ptsd and now like thor also has ptsd yeah but they don't talk to each other in this movie uh-huh uh-huh well i guess tony got his ptsd cured in the surgery yeah 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 when he got the metal out of his heart it also fixed everything else about him <laughs> anyway captain marvel shows up to save them yeah uh and does the most she's gonna do in this movie basically yeah they really uh that postcard's just like oh man captain marvel's really gonna be a big deal in the next one and what it really was was ah we built this clock but we're missing like one gear oh there it is let's just stuff it in there and move on well she has the most important thing she could possibly do which is save tony the most important man in the universe <laughs> right uh-huh yeah anyway they all fly back to earth 
And the, the Avengers are like, oh, man, Tony, we lost. It's like, I lost, too. And I even lost my surrogate son. Right, yeah. He's devastated. Uh, everybody's real, real sad. Yeah, and Cap's still in, like, we can fix this mode. He's trying to ask Tony, for, like, okay, you fought him. Do you give any clues? There's something we can do. And Tony's just, he's totally defeated he's given up he doesn't think there's anything left to do yeah and he's also like no you know what we could have done is listen to me you know years ago when i said that we needed ultron they're like buddy you did exactly what you wanted to do with that and it went badly also you're the one who hesitated in calling cap you could have fought him together Right, he's blaming Captain America for not being there when he showed up as soon as he got called. Yeah, his big plan in the last movie was, uh, what if I just hijack the ship and follow all the way to Thanos and fight him by myself? Like, if you go back to Civil War, like, Captain America's monologue is, hey, you know, we have this fundamental disagreement with each other that we're probably never going to resolve, but I still care about you. Here is a burner phone. Use it anytime you need me and I will be there. And Tony's blaming him for not showing up to help. (sighs) (laughs) Which would be fine. Tony can be, like, petty, but they don't acknowledge that he's being petty. Rhodey in this movie, the way they've re- they've treated Rhodey pretty bad throughout these movies, because he's never really gotten to have, like, a moment. He's always there to be upstaged by someone else. This is, like, the most screen time he's gotten since, like, Iron Man 2. And most of it is being mean to other people for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, was he this guy before? It's been too long since he got any meaningful screen time, I couldn't tell you. Like, before he was kind of portrayed as, like, Tony's reasonable friend, who's gonna, like, like, right. keep, keep him level-headed. And now he's like, that's not how time travel works. Haven't you seen any time travel movies? Like, is this who you were? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna get a TV show, so maybe they'll figure him out there. Maybe. So anyway, they track Thanos to a planet because Nebula knows where the planet is. And also, they track the energy surge of the stones because they use the stones again. Well, yeah, they have a bit where Nebula's like, I know where he is. He always talked about where he'd go. The garden. They're like, where's that? And then Rocket gets in. Oh, yeah, no, I found an energy signature that matches the snap. Like, okay, I guess Nebula wasn't actually any help here. She doesn't just say where he is. She, like, gives her whole backstory, like, her tragic relationship with her abusive father. <laughs> and then Rocket's like, oh, none of that matters. Right. I mean, they go there. Yeah, they they go ready for round two. Uh, Captain Marvel is very convinced that now that they've got her here, they're going to beat him no problem. Which, uh, you know, based on how, based on the fight later in this movie, I guess she wasn't really right about that. I mean, she kind of was. She just got distracted by all the other guys. Uh, it's like Scarlet Witch nearly killed them, but then she got bombed. Uh, Scarlet Witch, they could use here. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that fight when we get to it, though. Like, there's no armies or anything on the planet, no defenses. Thanos is just living his simple farmer life, just like he said he would. Yeah. And you can see his, like, face and armor all fucked up from using the glove twice. Yeah. And uh, they show up. They, like, ambush him and immediately, like, pin him down. They cut off the arm that has the Infinity Gauntlet on it. But there's no dang stones in in there he explains that he used the stones to destroy the stones so that the work could never be undone right because he's like ah, oh, now that they've did the job the only purpose they serve is temptation uh and they're all like devastated by the idea that like wait oh fuck we can't undo this and then thor cuts his head off he went for the head for the head cuts a black five pause years pause later and real quick something i'm gonna say 
The idea of, okay, we're going to do part one, this big epic fight that's going to end with the heroes losing, and then part two, oh, we're going to open up, they are battered and bruised, but they are going to go get their revenge, they're going to undo everything, and then the fight with the bad guy is just super anticlimactic, they kill him no problem, but there's no one doing the evil plan. That's a good start to a movie! That's not this one! (laughs) Like, if it was literally just, yeah, fuck you, idiots, there is no one doing this, deal with it, and the whole movie was them, like, grieving and figuring out how to move on in this world, and, like, you know, seeing how the world is changing and figuring out what being a hero even means when, like, you failed to save that many people, I want to watch that movie! Yeah, that'd be a cool movie, but what if instead it was about uh, fixing it? Oh, okay. Fixing just specifically that, not anything else. Yeah, yeah, I guess... I guess so. Or, you know, you could have done, like, the last movie is the big send-off to the original heroes, and now the new heroes have to figure out what to do. Yeah, absolutely. If if it had been flipped, we're like... Captain America and Tony and them got snapped, and it was, like, Spider-Man and Black Panther and Bucky all trying to figure out, like, well, fuck, what now? The five years later doesn't... Okay. There's, like, a big shot panning of the Mets... of City Fields, the Mets Stadium, and it's empty, and there's, like, a bunch of cars scattered around, like it's Fallout New Vegas. Right. What is this meant to communicate to me? I think the idea... I mean, they mentioned later that, like, governments are collapsing everywhere. I think it's just there's so many people dead that, like, urban areas are being abandoned. And, like, there's not enough people around to keep them up properly and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, they say that. But it, it seems like, you know, like, Scott's family still has a house... Well, sure, you just doubled the number, you know, houses are very easy to come by now, you know? I don't know, maybe it's just because, you know, we we just passed the year of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes. But I feel like people would uh, go on to business as usual within five years. Right. I I agree with that. It would be pretty much back to normal. Um, Yeah. You would probably also, I mean, my guts is you'd have like a baby boom, right? Uh, I mean, maybe. Everyone is super sad. They're desperate for like contact with other people. There's going to be like, I feel like you'd have a lot of people having sex and a lot of people being born. Ah, but what if uh, the snap happened and then COVID happens? Oh, that would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why they skipped five years. The COVID happened in between. Right. (laughs) Anyway, Captain America is running, like, a gay support group. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Finally, the representation is here, Luke. Finally. Because Joe Russo is talking about how he's gone on his first date in five years, and it's with another gentleman. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And uh, they both broke down crying at different times during date. If not for the fact that this is so nakedly, aha, you see we are progressive and inclusive. I would, I like, I like the idea of this scene. Because again, this is what I want. I want to see people like grieving and figuring out like, this is the most traumatic thing that could ever possibly happen, basically. And how is that affecting people? Yes, I would like to see. But it's so tainted by the point of the scene really being, hey, we're thumbs up to gay people here at Marvel Studios. So you should buy our tickets and merchandise. And furthermore, I'm going to insert myself as yes. the gay guy. <laughs> right, exactly. And Steve's talk about how, you know, it's important to to try to find new purpose in life, move on. Like, just walling around it isn't good for the people who we have lost. Uh-huh. But it seems like perhaps he himself is also struggling to find purpose in this new world. Yes. 
a rat crawls over a switch in the Ant-Man van and lets Ant-Man out of the quantum realm. <laughs> Is this as stupid as you thought it would be, Luke? It's pretty stupid. Like, you gotta get him out of there somehow, I guess. You know, fucking whatever. How is there still, like, battery going for that, uh, for the tunnel? I just got quantum energy. But it's dead later, and he has to hotwire the van to get it running. Uh, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I would think that thing really, uh, eats up the juice of the van battery. But no, you're right, this is worse. Like, that's a sloppy solution to a dumb problem, but whatever, who cares? Doesn't actually matter. Ant-Man doesn't know what's going on because he's been gone five years, so he wheels, like, a cart of his shit. Well, he also doesn't know that five years have passed. Yeah. Which we'll find, yeah, we'll find out later. It was only for, like, hours for him. He meets, he meets a kid, and who is this kid he meets in the road? It's just some kid, I think, right? They, they, like, really hang on his face, like, is this Harley from Iron Man 3? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, they just linger on his face if it's just some kid. I think it's just supposed to be, like, lingering on, like, Scott asking that question is, like, filling the child with emotions. I'll say, I think, uh, the scene of, like, this street is the most effective job they've done of, like, selling the fucked upness of what's happened. Where, like, it's not super severe, but all the lawns are overgrown and every telephone pole is covered with, like, what are now old and, uh, like, falling apart missing posters. Yeah, garbage bags everywhere. Yeah, and, like, no one has taken out the garbage in months. I don't know, man. This doesn't, this doesn't really work for me. No? It's, like, both not fucked up enough and too fucked up, you know what I mean? It's, like, things, like, people seem to be basically fun, like, society's still basically functioning, it's just everyone's really sad. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Scott goes to check out the memorial wall of everyone who died. Maybe, maybe this is, again, just me, uh, having been raised with Left Behind media, where fucking, in Left Behind, it is simultaneously the end of the world, but also everybody's just going about their normal daily routines for some goddamn reason. It's like, well, we gotta get to work, oh, but the highway's jammed with abandoned cars of people that were raptured. Well, I gotta get to the office somehow. That's how it would be, though. There would be, yeah. Yeah. Your, your boss would give you, like, you know, uh, a minute of silence in the morning for all the people who are raptured, and then it's time to get back to work. <laughs> We'd clap for all the raptured people. Uh, Scott finds out that his daughter Cassie was not snapped, but he was believed snapped. Right, because he vanished at the same time as the snap. Hey, here's the question. Yeah. Why is this movie so obsessed with the particular act of snapping? Oh, I don't know. I guess that's just how you trigger the gauntlet. But it's just like... Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way, right? You can do it other ways. You know, it looks cool. Hey, I have another question. How old was Cassie supposed to be in Ant-Man 2? Because she seemed like 8. She was 10. She's 15 now. She does not look 15 to me. She looks like a 15-year-old in a movie, which is to say played by an adult. Right, which is to say played by a 22-year-old. Yeah, as 15-year-olds are. Yeah, it's just, I was like, what? That... Okay, why'd you pick five years if you were gonna make Kath- Just call it ten years if this is what you're gonna make her look like. This is the only real effect that the time jump has. It's just making all the young Avengers older so they can be old enough in time for young Avengers. Right. Yeah, it makes probably makes Miles older so he can show up. Oh, has Miles already showed up in some capacity? He was referenced in the first Spider-Man. How? When is he referenced? When he meets uh, Donald Glover and he's like, you know, my nephew lives in that. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot. Yeah, so now he'll be like, you know, 
like a teenager in time for the next movie. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's uh, some some classic, some of the greatest cinematography of all time in this movie. Uh huh. Black Widow is having a sandwich and she cuts it in half. Yeah. Just like Thanos did to the universe. Jesus Christ, is that <laughs> is that the level we're going at here? <laughs> this is a uh, cinematic parallels. Okay, in what way is Black Widow like Thanos, and in what way is the sandwich like? Like she doesn't throw half the sandwich away. Well, the other half gets eaten by Ant Man. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's she cuts it in half. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Anyway, she's the leader of the New Avengers, which is made up of Nebula, Rocket, Raccoon, Okoye, Captain Marvel, War Machine, and Black Widow as the leader. Yeah. That's an interesting lineup, but we're not going to stick with it too long. No, we're going to stick with it for this scene. They're just the new XCOM council. Man, how many status quo does this movie set up, which would be interesting to explore, and then immediately discards? Basically every scene is one of those until about the halfway point. Yeah. If they were willing to have actual consequences in their goddamn movies, they could be so much better. Okoye's like, you know, there's been an earthquake, and Blacko's like, how are you handling it? She's like, it's an earthquake. What do you want me to do? It's an earthquake under the ocean. Like, I can't stop an earthquake. I can make sure people are prepared and, like, evacuate. Captain Marvel says, um, I can't be part of the time heist because I have stuff to do in space. Yeah, uh-huh. Which, fair, I guess, but also, come on. And then Rhodey's like, listen, I've some people have been mysteriously dying in ways that seems like Hawkeye the Ronin would be doing it. Uh-huh. They never actually use the word Ronin in this, right? They they don't use the word Ronin. I, didn't it come up in like a trailer, though, where he was like, call me Ronin? Uh, maybe. I don't remember that. I'm glad they cut it, if so. Here's an ethical question for you. Okay. Is it okay to pretend to be Japanese if your family died? <laughs> Well, this is Marvel, where it's okay to pretend to be Japanese just to bilk your employer out of an extra paycheck, so I think probably, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Is it okay to go around the world killing people for no reason if, you know, keep in mind, your family died? Well, they're criminals, Crystal. They they even make sure to establish that Clint has no personal vendetta against these people. No. They have done nothing to him or anybody he knows. Right. He's just really sad that his family died. He just wants to hurt people and he's looking for the people that he has the easiest excuse to hurt. They, they have to establish him as, like, bad because he does talk about, like, oh, man, I'm so fucked up. You shouldn't save me. Right. But, like, not not bad enough that you couldn't sell toys of him. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And not really doing anything worse than the Avengers usually do. Right. Hey, you know what I want to know? Again, setting up status quo that are interesting. I want to hear about organized crime in a world that's had the most devastating catastrophe in human history. What's the fucking Yakuza even doing in this universe? Um, I bet drugs are popular. Probably, yeah. Like, this almost goes back to what we were saying in Infinity War, that it would be interesting to have someone say, like, point out, like, hey, the problem is not overpopulation, the problem is the rich hoarding the resources. It would be awesome if you could show, yeah, he killed half the population of Earth, and actually we have all the same fucking problems we always had. But Steve comes in and lets us know that actually there's whales in the San Francisco Bay now, and we are the virus. They did establish that Thanos wiped out half of all creatures. That's the word Natasha uses. Yes, but I think the idea is that without people, even with getting their population cut in half, the whales are able to repopulate. So they they kill half of all animals, but not half of all plants. Right. The ecosystem didn't get fucked up by that. I guess vegetarianism is more popular. It would have to be. Uh Uh-huh. Like, later they show, like, oh man, the birds have come back to the trees. Right. 
I, what a stupid... This I like that Thanos in this movie is just like a warlord guy. Uh-huh. That's better than his shtick from the last movie. I agree that it's a better shtick, but I would say that once you've already done the shtick from the last movie, a good follow-up, since they didn't do it fucking last time, would be to reject his philosophy and demonstrate that he's wrong and not just punch him until he dies. No, they definitely go out of the way to show that he was completely correct, including yeah. on Vormir. Uh-huh. I, okay, back to where we actually are in the movie. Ant-Man's back at the compound, and he's like, um, I don't know how quantum physics works, but, like, maybe you could do time travel with it. Yeah, like, I, I only thought I was in the quantum realm for about five hours, and really it was five years, so, you know, maybe you could jimmy with it enough to go backwards in time. I don't know. You're not fucking doing anything better. Admit it. Yeah, what, what the hell are the Avengers doing? <laughs> I mean, you saw, they're monitoring situations. Again, hey, an interesting situation would be if, you know, everyone was so devastated that, like, the world kind of went quiet and there wasn't really any crime or major threats for the Avengers to be dealing with, which forces them to just sit with the awful feelings of shame and failure that they haven't processed yet. Another good premise for a good movie. That'd be pretty sick. Like, seriously, if this movie had no fights in it and was just emotional scenes of these characters reflecting on their lives and the ways that they, like, what came to this, how, how things came to this, I'd be all on board. Yeah, that might be a better use of, if you could, like, save an hour by cutting all the Thanos stuff uh-huh. and maybe spend it on that. Maybe have the time heist and it just completely blows up in their face because, hey, there is no going back. We failed and we have to live with that and learn how to move on. Maybe Steve still holding a photo of the first girl who happened to look at him could be used as an example of things you need to learn to move on from instead of things you need to desperately cling to until you finally get your way because you're a goddamn baby. Oh my god. Ah, all the stuff with Peggy. We'll get it's to so it. It's so bad! <laughs> Anyway, Tony Stark, he's being you know, a funny, cool dad to his daughter. This is where the banter hits a lot better for me. I agree. Good scene. He's living out in the woods with uh, Pepper and Morgan Stark. I think Robert Downey Jr. does a really good job of playing both, like, sad and kind of broken inside, but also loves his daughter and, like, loves kind of funning around with her at the same time. I think he's doing a good job. And he's the guy who who did move on. Yeah. There's a contrast to Captain America who just, like, can't get it out of his head. Right. But also, he's building a rescue suit for Pepper, um, because, uh, why is he doing this, Crystal? (laughs) Flying around is cool. It, It is? You're not wrong. It just seems so arbitrary. Well, how else are you going to have the scene where all the girl Avengers save the day? (sighs) We'll get to that. So they they come to Tony with this plan about doing time travel. And he's like, that sounds like it wouldn't work and we would all die. Yeah. And like, hey, I get it. Bad stuff happened. I'm kind of moved on and I have a daughter and like a life. And like, you're asking me to risk that for dumb nonsense that a stupid man came up with. So no. Why does everyone hate Scott? Why does everyone hate Scott? I get why Tony would hate him. I mean, Captain America doesn't hate him, really. He thinks he's kind of a doofus, but he's a likable doofus. Rhodey bullies him. Rocket, I mean, Rocket's a dick. That's fine. That's in character, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, Rocket just treats him like he treats Quill. I don't know. The Hulk is also treated this way as just, like, comic relief who gets upstaged by the smarter guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Tony says no. I gotta focus on my family. I'm not gonna roll the dice on that. So they instead go to the second smartest guy in the world, the Hulk. Yes. 
who, uh, hey, <laughs> Crystal, you remember in Infinity War when he just out of nowhere had a weird problem transforming? Uh-huh. And, like, Hulk was scared to come out for some reason? Yeah. So it's presumably in the sequel to that movie, they're gonna, like, address that and figure out, like, what was going on with the Hulk there and, like, give some resolution to that movie-long plotline, right? And then they skip that movie. Oh, what? <laughs> they they skip the Hulk 2 where the Hulk has his arc. Oh, okay. They skip to the end of that and now he's, he's both a big green man and he's smart. I like this. I like him as just the Hulk with glasses. That's both funny and like a fun place for the Hulk to end up. But I would have liked to see him get there. I agree. This is a fine conclusion to an arc that we didn't get to see. Yeah. <laughs> like you It's weird cuz if you, you you it would be rushed, but you could do this in Infinity War, but instead they only did like the first tenth of that. Right. He just has several scenes where he's like Hulk out and then he hulks out just enough to go no. And he's like, "Oh man." Oh, biscuits. I think it's funny that Tony can't do the dishes even after five years of living in the woods. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> laugh. He just. He's just, like, trying to wash one dish with the hose, and he gets water all over himself. Yeah, yeah. I like that uh, Tony Stark, a rich billionaire inventor, uh, doesn't have a dishwasher. <laughs> I I mean, I don't like using dishwashers, personally. No? I, I feel, well, like, you gotta rinse them off before you put them in a dishwasher, and once you've done that, you're almost there. You may as well just, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Uh, so Tony invents time travel in, like, an hour. <laughs> Yeah, he's just kind of having fun at night, and he just uh, plays with a hologram for a while, and uh, it, it he invents time travel. We did kind of skip past the Hulk scene. I do... I don't like it in this movie, but I like the joke of the kids want a photo with the Hulk and don't want one with Ant-Man, and Ant-Man makes it awkward. They stretch that a bit too long, I think. You're right, they do. And again, like, the when I'm vibing with this movie is when they're just sad, so that long joke sequence kind of deflates it for me, even though I think it's a funny idea. Like, this whole scene kind of undermines the idea that society is falling apart, because, like, I, I mean, this restaurant yeah. is running, like, perfectly fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just people are sad. Yeah, yeah, they don't sell enough. Like, I was thinking, like, you again, like you were saying, you would have people, you'd have, like, religious zealots that, like, are convinced that Thanos was actually Jesus, and, like, they're anti-Avengers because they tried to stop the rapture from happening. You'd have all sorts of weird shit they could dig into, and they don't care. Doesn't doesn't interest them. In Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they had uh, two different seasons based around time travel. Okay. And I think they did a lot more interestingly there, because in the first one, it was like oh we're trapped in a time loop and like for all we know we've been we've like tried to get out of this loop a thousand times okay sure and it's like after knowledge has been shared between like the thousand different versions of them they eventually find a way out of it and then in the second season it's like okay with all the knowledge we've gotten we're gonna go into like a time timeless time vortex and go in there for like decades and now we're gonna figure out how to do time travel okay but tony's a very smart man so he can do it overnight right i mean i guess he's working on stuff ant-man gave him and he's just trying to like play with it i don't know hey why can't he invent pin particles uh because uh they'd be stark particle made them they wouldn't work if there were stark particles they do something totally different a stark particle and a pin particle they're not the same thing but the cross particles worked wait what were the cross particles you remember when uh darren crossed the yellow oh. jacket invented his own particles yeah but those made you crazy remember oh yeah those made you crazy i'm sorry and sometimes they fucked up a sheep you think if the joker uh took the cross particles he'd be normal i think he'd be a normal man <laughs> 
Anyway, Tony says to Pepper, like, um, I invented time travel. Can I go on an adventure? And Pepper's like, you know, I've learned that I can't stop you from going on adventures. And if you didn't go on this adventure, I knew you would never be able to rest. I don't know. I, you, you're, you're describing it correctly. This is another scene. I think Robert Downey Jr.'s doing the work in this movie. Like, he's telling it as like, fuck, I solved this. I'm pretty sure I could save the world. I kind of don't want to, though. I kind of want to be here with you and our kid. And she's just like, no, go, go do it. Do it. You know you want to do it. Yeah, fuck you. I don't know. I I think he's acting well. I think this scene would be better if the stakes were a lot lower. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, fuck you. Of course you're going to go save trillions and trillions of lives. If this was about, say, the Mandarin, like, whatever, S.H.I.E.L.D. can handle that. Right. But, dude, you can't, you can't say no to this. Come on. Anyway, yeah, he's gonna, uh, Bruce Banner is trying to figure out time travel for them, but instead he invents an age play machine. Yeah, he pushes time through Scott instead of pushing Scott through time. He turns into a baby and he turns into an old man and he pisses his pants. There's so many. I, I have not looked, but I know in my heart there are so many AO3 stories based around the use of Banner's time travel to change people's ages. They really have projected quite a few fetishes onto Scott, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, he's got the, you know, shrinking, growing, age play. What else are you thinking of? Uh, I mean, that's mostly it. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone's, like, rolling their eyes that Banner couldn't get this right on the first try. It's literally the first try, and it's a pretty good first try! If he took a decade to do this, he would be the greatest scientist of all time. Uh Uh-huh! But he's not as smart as Tony Stark, who can do it overnight. Right! It's ridiculous that everyone treats this like a failure! I'm with Bruce when he says I consider this an unqualified success! There's not really any urgency to the time heist. Hey, you know the thing about time travel? Is that it doesn't matter how long it takes you to figure it out. Yeah, they probably could have prepared more, I think. Yeah! Just to make sure, if they have only one shot, that it was a high high success as possible. What if they sat down and talked about, hey, what happens if uh, somebody gets a hold of our our time watch? Maybe we should have a a contingency for that. Yeah, they could say to Tony, hey, can you look at the pin particles and use your big brain to make more? Yeah. Also, it... (sighs) This is a weird one. Every time someone has a helmet in this movie with a visor, is it just me or does it super look like it is just a green screen of their face? Like, it doesn't look like it's the right scale for the helmet. Yeah, it looks extremely fake. It se- That seems like not, in the grand scheme of special effects, not a hard thing to get right, but it looks wrong every shot. Yeah, I. it kind of feels like the special effects for these movies have gotten worse over time. Do you feel that? Uh, in some way. I mean, we talked about it in Infinity War that, like, Wakanda looked like dog shit after it looked really nice for the most part in uh, Black Panther. Well, it's almost like a quantity quality issue where it's like, there's more shit on the screen. Yeah. But all of it looks worse than when there was, like, one guy in a suit. I know absolutely nothing about special effects, but I would assume that that's, like, related. That, you know, the budget hasn't inflated enough to account for that, so everything's got to look a little worse to, you know, make up for how much stuff they got to do, but I don't know if that's true or not. When they cut to the Avengers 1 part of this movie, I kept thinking, like, man, this this isn't even, like, amazing, but this looks a lot better than the climax of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, that part of that is that there is, like, sunlight and color in the climax of Avengers 1. Yeah, it's lit. You can see what's going on. Uh-huh. It's not just, like, a brown mess. 
Yeah, it's not just brown, purple, and gold. Scott tries to eat a hard taco, which usually I don't like to do because I feel like it's too easy for it all to fall apart. Yeah, hard tacos fall apart. Soft taco is the way to go. Rocket and Nebula land and blow all of his hard taco fillings out of his hard taco. Which I think is a funny visual gag that, again, that's not the tone this movie's, like, hitting the best. And then Rhodey just, like, lands right in front of him and almost gives him a heart attack and he breaks his taco for no reason. He's just bullying this man. (laughs) You know what? You're saying everybody hates Scott. One man doesn't and it's Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner is nothing but nice to him. Bruce Banner's the the nicest guy in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, because like before the kids, he's like, oh, kids, listen, it'll make him happy. Take the picture. And now he just is there ready with two tacos to give him as a replacement. One of the funny things in this movie is that because the Hulk is a big man, he has to eat a lot of food all the time, which I like. Yes. Yeah, he had a big honking bowl of scrambled eggs and like a whole platter of sausages. Tony shows up and he's like, okay, I'll do it, but we got to get the whole team together, including Thor. So they go to New Asgard in Tonsberg, Norway. thing about uh, Asgard is that it's a people, not a place. Yeah. Uh, who lives in Asgard, Luke? <laughs> Um, the as the Asgardians. Uh, what are some like notable Asgardians that like really make you connected to like these people? Oh right, yeah. Well, because they're a people and not a place, so obviously they have lots of memorable people. There's um, there's Heimdall. No, he died. Um, there's uh, the dual wielding guy from Ragnarok. Did he die? Is he all around? Who? He, the guy with the two machine guns in Ragnarok. Oh no, he died. Yeah. Yeah, he died. There's the there's Sif. She's dead. Um. Uh, she is not dead. Her oh. fate is uh, unknown. Well, I guess presumably she's just off screen in New Asgard then. I think she might be in the new Thor. Don't quote me on that. All right, I won't. Uh, yeah, they... Whew. We have discussed how, you know, the themes of Thor Ragnarok were more kind of vaguely gestured at than really explored. Right. But even what scraps it did have are just thoroughly destroyed in these movies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Although, I would all... You're right... But also, I think Ragnarok, like, didn't give them much to work with, because, again, if they're a people and not a place, give me any people to care about. Like, it's not Endgame's fault that there are no fun Asgardians for them to bring into the episode, you know? Um, it's a little bit Infinity War's fault, at least. Uh, who, okay, who, like, that you really cared about and liked died on the Asgard ship in Infinity War? The Heimdall and Loki. Oh, wait, Heimdall, oh, right, I thought Heimdall died in Ragnarok, you're right, okay, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Then yes, you're right. <laughs> I take it back, it is their fault completely. Thor is, get this one, he's very depressed, and they're going to illustrate this by showing that he's fat. I have heard so much goddamn fat Thor discourse. I was ready for him to be in, like, a full-on, like, big honkin', like, fat bastard fat suit, like Weird Al in the Eat It video. He's got, like, a beer gut. He's still extremely ripped. He's got abs poking through the beer gut. He's just got a dad bod, and it's fine. Yeah, no, he's actually pretty hot, but I don't think the Russos think that. He could stand to lose, like... 10 pounds, maybe? Uh, he's an alcoholic, and nobody will sympathize with him on that at all, except
except for maybe Hulk a little bit. Yeah. He's also just like a subject of mockery and ridicule from all of his friends. Right. When he is clearly going through a very difficult time and needs like gentleness and compassion. Uh Uh-huh. I do like that he's roommates with the rock guy from Ragnarok, though. Yeah, he does yell at uh, Noob Master 69 to stop being mean to his friend Korg in Fortnite. Yeah, not not a funny joke, I don't think. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that part wasn't that funny, but I do like Thor saying like, you know, if he gives you any trouble again, tell me. And Korg very politely says, thank you, Thor, I will. Yes. Yeah, Korg is great. Love a Korg. Thor's stupid in this movie. Hulk's like, you know, we got a plan to do undo all the stuff Thanos did. And when Thor hears the name Thanos, you can you can tell he's he's got a lot of he's still got a lot of unprocessed feelings about that. And he starts almost crying. He's like, we don't say that name in here. Yeah. And he doesn't want to come because he's too sad about it. This movie is very much supposed to be like a big final bow, especially for Thor Iron Man and Captain America like they the the final fight starts with the three of them versus Thanos it's supposed to be like yeah these are the three that started it like yeah uh, uh, never mind that Hulk was actually the second guy eh, forget about that uh we don't talk about Edward Norton um so why did they make Thor a joke character in this movie yeah that's a great question Luke why'd they do that if you're gonna do this movie, it should be it should be Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man as the three leads, all like going through this in their own ways and like bouncing off of each other with everybody else in the background. But they don't do that. Those are the three guys, yeah. But they're only the three guys because we're told they're the three guys. They don't actually like, especially Thor, is not treated like one of the three guys. Yeah, Thor doesn't have much of a relationship with anyone except the Hulk. Um, except for, obviously, you'd have to change, like, a little bit with during the time heist. If you swapped out Thor for Quill in this movie, it would almost, like, and just make it that he has a tearful reunion with fucking his mom instead of Thor's mom, you wouldn't have to rewrite anything. No, you would, wouldn't have to. They're, they'd be the same character, and that's a problem. I do like the part where Hulk says, like, you know, I was having a real hard time a couple years ago, and you're the one that helped me. So now I want to help you by making you do a heist. Right. Yeah, how's that help? Well, you know, if it if, you, if they fix the thing he's sad about, then he'll stop being sad. It's not clear why they want to or need to recruit Thor. Because, like, even during the heist, he's drunk. I think it's because they have to, they need him to go to the time, like, they can't access the the moment with the ether without him. Can't they? I don't know. I guess he knows where it was, but he doesn't have to be there. Yeah, that's true. Some of the dialogue almost made it sound like they can only time travel to, like, moments in their personal past. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it'd be easier, at least. Yeah. Anyway, he ultimately agrees to go because there's beer on the ship. Yeah, like, if, I'm, I'm like, if, if Chris Hemsworth shaved and, like, you know, if Thor shaved and washed his hair in this movie, he'd be pretty hot. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like, his hair looks dirty. That is the least hot thing about him. He, he definitely needs a good shampoo and conditioner, but yeah. Yeah, and, like, his beard looks a little scruffy. They spend a lot of time on this Tokyo scene. I remember when, like, the, the like, shots of the set of this first came out, it was gonna be like, oh, there's some sort of critical component they need in Tokyo. But right. this really serves no purpose at all. You could skip this whole scene and it wouldn't really matter. They established that Ronan's, he's really fucked up now, man. He's yeah. twisted. He's like the Joker. 
Like, yeah, here's a here's a real quick way to cut some time off this movie. Instead of this whole fucking fight scene, have uh, Clint just, like, looking at the Yakuza from, like, a rooftop, and then have Black Widow stop him before he jumps in to kill them. And they just talk on the roof and then leave. Ah, but Luke, they already pre-visualized this fight scene, like, four years ago before they wrote this movie. <laughs> so they have to use it. <laughs> You gotta have a cool samurai sword fight in your superhero movie, I guess. With uh, fucking Jeremy Renner speaking bad Japanese. It's, yeah, here's... It is one thing that Hawkeye decided to become, like, a vengeance man. That's what you do in superhero times when something bad happens. But the fact that first he went and trained with katanas for however long and also learned Japanese and then became a vengeance man is funnier than uh, you're supposed to think it is. Does he even use a katana in the rest of this movie? I don't think... No, yeah, he does, like, once. Okay. I forget when, but he definitely draws that katana again. You think he learned Japanese just for this? <laughs> I don't know. Like, he... The, the first thing we hear about is him hitting, like, uh, a Mexican drug cartel. Does he also speak Spanish now? He's gotta have something to hold on to, and it's... Having stilted conversations in foreign languages with the guy he's gonna kill. Yeah. Also, they keep talking about, like, how brutal and murderous he is, and, like, I guess so. But it doesn't feel like a lot of people die in these movies, and they never really care that much. Yeah, the only thing that, the only thing different is that in the dialogue, they make sure to explicitly establish that Clint has no actual connection to these people. They have done nothing to him. So they don't really understand why he's targeting them. Right. Well, it's because they're criminals. It's because uh, Thanos killed half of everybody, and it's not fair that criminals got to live. He says a specific line. He says, uh, Akihiko says, why are you doing this? We never did anything to you. Clint says, you survived. Half the planet didn't. They got Thanos. You get me. What the fuck does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing. Yeah, I... Again, I really like that cold open with Hawkeye. I hate everything else with Hawkeye in this movie. I like Hawkeye in the other movies more than most people. He sucks in this film. It sucks so bad. Um, Chris Hemsworth kind of looks like uh, Jeff Lebowski now, and uh, that kid does get pointed out. They're going to do a time travel test with uh, Clint's. And they have a conversation about how changing stuff in the past doesn't actually change the future. Right. Because if you go back in time, then the future is your past and you can't change past. I think that it's all well and good for, you know, a movie to, for its time travel to not really make much sense. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. You're making a movie. Yeah. I think in that case, you shouldn't have multiple conversations uh, explaining in detail how your time travel works so that people can pick it apart later. Um, I think it, I think they fuck up once with their time travel rules at the end. Do they, what, what are the nitpicks here? They, yeah, they fuck up at the end with Captain America, which doesn't really make sense. Didn't they like just recently put out a news story explaining how that actually worked? Oh, and the writers and the directors disagree. <laughs> okay. But it's also the stuff with, like, well, if you take out the stones, then time breaks, so you gotta put them back in the exact same place. Right. Then it's like, okay, so there's one timeline. Well, no, there's multiple. Like, every time you're time traveling, you're traveling to a different timeline. That's not how the ancient one said it. Sure it was. She was showing with, like, the branches and shit. She seemed to say that the only way time branches is if you take out an infinity stone. That's why they put them back, so that time won't branch. 
I thought they put them back. I thought time stopped if you took out the Infinity Stones, and they had to put the Infinity Stones back so that branch could keep going. I thought that that's why that branch turned black. It's like, it's it's Dragon Ball Z time travel rules, like Cell Saga stuff. The Infinity Stones create what you experience as the flow of time. Uh -huh. Remove one stone, and that flow splits. She flicks the time stone projection away and shows black stream indicating a point of divergence. Okay, now, yeah. this may benefit your reality, but my new one, not so much. In this new branch reality, without our chief weapon against the forces of darkness, our world will be overrun. So time will continue, it's just that it'll branch and they won't have a time stone. Okay, I think she just might not understand how time travel works. Well, see, this is why you don't write these scenes. <laughs> yeah, because it makes sense. You just have to ignore her dialogue because it's wrong. Yeah, they're making a Loki time travel show. Maybe they'll reconcile it there. They don't need to. They shouldn't. Well, they're doing it. No, no, I'm saying they shouldn't reconcile it. Uh, they discuss where they find all the stones, and they figure out, you can you can do this in three trips, because there were three stones in New York in 2012. Yeah. Then you have the one in Thor 2. A lot of Thor 2 content in this movie, just for me. <laughs> and uh, you can get two of them in space in 2014. Right. Or, like, any time. Any time? Why 2014? I guess, like, those were the times when they 100% sure knew they were there. They don't know exactly when it got on Morag. So, well, it seems like the Soul Stone has just always been there, right? You know that one's basically fixed. Why not go to, like, like, that's an ancient temple. Why not go to, like, 2005? Like, really make sure you're nowhere near Thanos and his forces, you know? Uh, because they don't know that the Power Stone's there in 2005. But it's in the middle of an ancient ancient temple it was not put there like less than 10 years ago well yeah you you 99% sure know that but like you 100% sure know it was there in 2014 guess and you have limited trips like i agree it's stupid i mean and listen this is almost sneaking into cinema sins territory because the answer is the whole point of this is that they're doing the back to the future 2 thing of going into all the old movies and so they have it's not that they need to go to 2014 it's that they need to go to guardians of the galaxy one you know yeah even though they say it's not like back to the future then they right. do just make back to the future in this movie like right down to meeting your parents and realizing that oh man they were people too yeah it's it's just back to the future too one of the worst sequels ever made huh just like the empire strikes back what those are both bad sequels why is empire strikes back a bad sequel because it spends too much time on han solo i think you would have to no you don't not if he died i guess but also the han solo and leia stuff is fun in that movie i disagree it's fun to see them like fight flirt i disagree i like that stuff we can agree to disagree that's fair uh back to the future 2 i'd be more willing to listen i i kind of like that movie but it's a weird follow-up to the first one. Yeah, I think it gets way too bogged down in time travel stuff instead of the meet your parents stuff. I, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of like it just because I've got time travel brain and I like stuff with weird complicated time travel rules. So that movie, it's not, listen, it's not fucking primer or anything, but I do have fun with it just on that level. But I, I agree, it's... It's definitely a much weaker movie than the first one. Thankfully, they redeemed themselves with Back of the Future 3. I don't know. The second best one. I might agree with that. I don't know. Because <laughs> that one is also, you just go to one time, and then you focus on the characters. Yeah, but that's also not, like, at least the first one is using time travel to, like, make, you know, to, like, set up its story. Like, Back to 
future one is like, oh, what would it be like if you met your parents when they were your age? And, like, the time travel is just the mechanism by which they do that. Back to the Future 3 is, we really want to make a cowboy movie. Please, can we make a cowboy movie? Come on. And, like, I don't know. That's just not as compelling of a thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the first hour of this movie is done. They're all prepared for the time heist. Yes. Uh, a, yeah, and I think the first hour, like I said, is the best hour. Second one is decent. I did laugh at the part where Thor uh, drunkenly recaps Thor 2. Yeah, that's fun. Like, as we're getting out of the stage of, like, everybody being grief-stricken uh, grief and, like, devastated, the jokes are gonna start to feel less shoehorned in to me. Because it's like, yeah, fuck you for caring. Let's just have a fun superhero romp like always. Okay, I guess, if we have to. I can go with that. Most of the emotional content of the film is exhausted at this point. Yep, now it's just, uh, let's have fun with video compositing. Yeah, I wonder how much of this was video compositing, how much of it was reshot. Reshot? Yeah, it's hard to say. Definitely anything with new dialogue was reshot. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, like, went back and got some stuff, like, that was unused in Avengers 1. But you're probably right that a lot of it was shot. Uh, first one they go to is New York, baby. Big Apple. Yes. <laughs> That's what they call it. Yeah, that's what everyone calls it, the Big Apple. They, they reuse, like, the big hero shot that everyone knows from Avengers to, like, introduce this bit. They, they're they all wearing their old costumes so that they can blend in, and the Hulk has to smash some stuff, and he's like, Oh man, I don't like being a smashy man, but I gotta do it to blend in. Right, and he just does, like, some half-hearted smashing. You know, cute joke. Then he goes to meet the Ancient One, who severs his idol on Bruce Banner from his body. <laughs> And then she apparently explains time travel wrong. That's the only way I can uh, reconcile everything. And she also explains that uh, Stephen Strange was actually the destined chosen one all along to be the greatest wizard of all time. Yeah, what the fuck is that line? <laughs> And in fact, she believes in him so much that the very fact that he gave up the stone to Thanos convinces her that she can roll the dice on her reality. Right, uh-huh. This scene is working real hard to retroactively make me like Doctor Strange less. One of the movies we like the most on this show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, doesn't she already, like, see all the future? Like, in Doctor Strange, doesn't she already know the moment she's going to die? And she's like, oh yeah, I've seen this for so long, and now I'm finally here. So doesn't she already know that she's gonna give him the stone? Uh, yeah, huh. <laughs> Unless that didn't happen yet. Wait, what? Well, that was a different timeline? You're saying that her future sight doesn't account for time travelers. Oh well, yeah, because once Hulk comes in, now it's a different timeline. Yeah, I guess that, you know... That's... Except she doesn't believe that, but we have to. <laughs> right. Or I think she does believe that. I don't know. Because she's saying, like, oh, I can't risk my reality for the sake of your reality. You know what I mean? She kind of just contradicts herself. Well, they their realities would diverge if the stone was given up. But if she doesn't give it up, then it won't diverge. I don't know. I, I'm choosing to ignore all of the Ancient One's dialogue because it unnecessarily complicates this. Yeah, but ultimately Hulkman just convinced her because he's like, well, Strange gave up the time rock. So she's like, well, I guess I should too because he's a smart guy and I trust him. Yep. They kind of uh, divorce all of the rock's identities from each other because you think once they got the time stone, maybe they could be a little more flexible in their time travel. No, don't be ridiculous. The, time, the, the Infinity Stones don't do anything. They're just... 
magic rocks you put into a gauntlet and then you can snap. You know, like maybe like, oh, we fucked up with Loki. Oh, well, let's use the time stone to reverse that and not fuck it up. Uh huh. Yeah. And, or maybe in this next bit, as uh, they get the reality stone, maybe they could uh, change reality so that they already finished the time heist. Thor does not contribute anything to getting the reality rock. No, they wasted two pin particles on him. They could have given those to somebody else to have backups. Rocket does all the work. I couldn't tell if they got Natalie Portman on set for this or not. I think probably not. I don't think so. They, there is like one shot of Natalie Portman on a couch and that is it. Rocket just like sticks a thing in her neck and then Thor goes to get drunk that meets his mom. Yeah, who he's suddenly really emotional about. Well, yeah, I mean, she died. Yeah, but he's like never cared. Like if this was an ongoing thing with him, I would buy it way more than he's all just all of a sudden very sad about her in this movie. You know what I mean? He cared in Infinity War. When did he talk about his mom in Infinity War? When he talked about all the people who died, I was like, oh yeah, my mom got killed by dark elves and he started sniffling. All right. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but his mom knows he's from the future because she's a witch, and witches can tell that. And she she says uh, he's getting too fat and needs to eat a salad. <laughs> yes. That's like her, her final line to him as she goes to die. Right. <laughs> and it's again very back to the future because he's trying to tell her that she's going to die, and she's like, nah, don't tell me. Yeah, but basically she says, uh, you know, everyone fails who they're supposed to be, but, you know, the what makes a person great is uh, what they do with who they are. Sure. Yeah, you know, generic superhero movie shit. Thor lost his hammer, right? Uh-huh. And then he, uh, he made a new hammer for himself. Right. But that didn't work. So what he really needs is to get back his old hammer. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. He's gonna take the hammer... Right! ...from his old self. <laughs> like, this reality's Thor is just fucked. I guess he's gonna have to learn that he doesn't need the hammer. Yeah, he's gonna learn... Well, I mean, Cap brings it back, I guess, but... It's really important for a hero to have, like, some sort of external marker to validate their heroism. It couldn't be that Thor learned to believe in his own power. He needs to still be worthy by Odin's spell. Crystal, you're being very unfair, because you're not thinking about the fact that if he doesn't have his hammer, then Captain America can't do the epic move of using his hammer later. Yeah, to, you know, externally validate Cap as a good guy, because he can impress Odin. Uh-huh. Odin, the guy who sucks. Uh-huh. Odin, the guy who's a shithead that's wrong about everything. But he says yep. Cap's cool. Uh-huh. He gets two hammers and even that doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> the only good part about having two hammers is the part where he hits Mjolnir like a baseball. Yeah, uh-huh. It, this is what I mean about, like, even the tiny little crumbs and niblets you might get from Thor 3. Just totally... Oh, yeah. Yeah. L listen, I abandoned any hope of that with Infinity War, though. But then they went even further by making it... Because with the other hammer, you could say, like, okay, at least this is his hammer. He made this sure. one. But that's not good enough. He has to have his dad's stupid hammer. Well, yeah, that's the one that uh, shows up in all the merchandising. That's right. That means they can sell the hammer again. Right. You know, it's like New Coke versus Coke Classic. <sighs> anyway, in space, you got Hawkeye and Nebula doing shit. Or no, not Hawkeye. Wait, yeah. Yeah, it's Hawkeye, Nebula, Thor, and Rhodey. I forgot Rhodey was in this movie. Not Thor, Natasha. Yeah, Rhodey's in this movie to do nothing. Yeah, to watch uh, the opening credits to Guardians of the Galaxy and be like, this guy's dumb. But uh, Natasha and Hawkeye go to Vormir, the center of celestial existence, Nebula said. Yeah. And uh, they just do the same scene over again. <laughs> 
Well, but it's different because instead of, you know, killing each other, they're fighting to see who gets to kill themselves in a good old-fashioned suicide race. You know, even though, even back in 2019, I knew that the theme of Infinity War was that the proof of how much you love someone is being willing to kill them. Uh-huh. Even then, when we got to this part, I thought, surely they wouldn't just do the same scene twice, right? Surely you think you might illustrate, like, okay, here's the difference between a hero and a villain. Here's how they would differently approach the situation. Right. I think in their minds, that's exactly what they did. But they didn't. Well, no, because Thanos kills Gamora, but in this scene, both of them want to be the hero and sacrifice themselves. They're trying, not trying to sacrifice somebody else. Uh-huh. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying that I think that's the logic of the movie. Like, yes, here are the heroes selflessly willing to give themselves up instead of giving away something else. This is obviously a much broader cultural idea than these movies, but I feel like these movies are really obsessed with the idea that the ultimate act of heroism is is dying. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, yes, for sure. Even when you really don't have to. Yeah, and, like, that's been true for years in these movies. Like, Avengers 1 has that with Tony. It's just that, actually, uh, he didn't die. Don't worry about it. Yep, and then Captain America, when he jumped on the grenade, and that proves how good of a guy he is. Right. Um, but we also left out that, yeah, uh, Nebula forgot to turn off her damn Wi-Fi before time traveling, and that's what ruins the whole plan. Yeah, she didn't, she has the same, she's had the same Wi-Fi password for, you know, how, nine years. You gotta change that every now and then, Nebula. So the Nebula's both the past nebula and the future nebula are connected to the same network so they're like broadcasting to each other right and listen you know what i don't change my wi-fi password ever but my wi-fi password doesn't give you access to my brain (laughs) you know you really need a solid 8 to 12 characters you need a special character in there an uppercase letter a number and you gotta change it frequently they really came up with a whole convoluted scheme for why they could fight thanos again Uh uh-huh when again one of the most compelling things about this was the idea of oh thanos is just like you can't kill him in a way that matters because he already accomplished what he's here to do that rules actually he's like a mushroom but uh you know you gotta have the fight with the big purple man yeah there's a whole thing where like they god they torture nebula so much again in this movie yeah she gets tortured a lot she gets like strung up in a tube stuck in the back of her head so thanos can look at everything i do like the part where thanos sees himself say a cool line in the future (laughs) (laughs) then he's like man that's a cool line i gotta say that that's the most relatable that he's ever been yeah and then he also sees himself say to nebula oh maybe i've been too harsh on you right before getting killed and he's like well the important part of that was that i got killed (laughs) (laughs) thanos sees everything and he's like well we gotta get the other nebula and the other nebula can pretend to be the other nebula by putting the orange thing on her head that the future nebula has yeah, she like burns up her hand to get the power stone out of the thing it's stuck in. Why do they beat up Quill? Why don't wait and just let him get the power stone for you? Instead of punching him and stealing his lockpick and then doing the heist yourself. Well, because when he gets it, he gets accosted by Thanos' guys. Oh, I guess, sure. I guess that'd be a hassle to deal yeah, with. Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, then back in Avengers 1, Tony and Steve are, like, at the Avengers Tower at the end of the movie. Uh, oh, and Ant-Man's here, too. And they're, like, splitting up to get both the, uh, the fucking Space Stone and the Mind Stone. The Hulk, the past Hulk can't fit all in the elevator that all the other Avengers are going down while they're taking the Tesseract in the briefcase down to Robert Redford. Yeah. Robert Redford's final appearance in the film. 
Oh, wow. Huh. Adventures and Kid. Huh. Okay. Cap has to, like, the future Cap has to take the elevator down, but all the Hydra guys are in there, and it's kind of like the elevator scene from Captain America 2. Yeah, they think, you think you're getting a reprise of the elevator scene, but then he does a little, like, Hail Hydra whisper to him, which lets them think he's on his, on their side, so they just give him the staff. That's a, that's a fun little thing. I like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Then back downstairs, the past Avengers are going to give the Tesseract to Robert Redford, and they're kind of arguing about it because they don't want to give it up. Robert Redford wants to try Loki here, but Thor's like, no, Odin's going to try him. Meanwhile, Ant-Man sneaks into Tony's heart and gives him a heart attack. (laughs) by unplugging a wire uh-huh i don't even fucking remember why the tesseract is here i'd spent i'd spent too long since i've seen avengers that was the whole thing of the first movie that was the whole macguffin but i, I thought the mind stone was the macguffin no they were they were both in the in the film okay i mean i believe you i just don't remember that loki was trying to get the tesseract using the mind stone that thanos gave him okay yeah okay yeah cap's carrying the scepter out whereas tony's trying to get the tesseract but then hulk busts out of the stairwell and knocks the tesseract over to loki's feet and he disappears okay yeah right yeah yeah. and that's the loki that the loki show is based on so is the loki show gonna be set in this alternate universe yep okay but also it's about him working for the time variance authority so i guess he's gonna be jumping around lots of timelines all right. Even okay. though that's not a thing, but it is because the ancient one must be wrong, but they gave yeah. her a big scene in the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's just incorrect. I don't like the close up of Tony's beard as Ant Man is like clinging onto it. Something about it upsets me. It's a beatnik beard? Yeah, they do call it a beatnik beard later. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so they get. <sighs> Oh, right, then Steve runs into Steve from this time, who thinks he's Loki, shape-shifting to look like him, and they have a fight. Yeah, past Steve says, I can do this all day, and future Steve's like, yeah, I know. God, I'm annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they comment about how good his ass is. Yeah, they talk a lot about uh, Chris Evans' ass. It's America's ass. It's America's ass. Uh... Yeah, I wonder, since this is the timeline that's gonna stick around, I guess... And this one, they Cap tells Cap that Bucky's alive, and that's what, like, distracts him enough to knock him out. Right. Are they gonna, like, explore this further? I don't know. I mean, I thought the thing was that, like, most of the original Avengers are kind of done making these movies. Yeah. Like, I, I think the idea is Chris Evans is, is done being Captain America. I don't believe that. I think he's done for a while, at least. I think he's done in a starring role. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but so the plan is they're going to take the stones, they're going to bring him back, the Hulk's going to make sure of that. Yes. So that the timelines don't get fucked up, even though they already are. But don't worry about it. Yeah. Then on Vormir, the funniest scene in the film, uh-huh. in my opinion, uh-huh. is Hawkeye and Black Widow, like, fighting each other for the right to kill their themselves. Right, yeah, a suicide race. Oh, it's dumb. Black Widow's dead. She's the one that falls off. She- Even though Clint's all fucked up and he wants to die, but he has a family. Right. I keep wanting uh, fucking Red Skull and the Soul Stone to be way shittier than they ever are. Because I wanted to be like, well, she sacrificed herself. You didn't sacrifice her, so that doesn't count. You got Soul Stoned, baby. <laughs> no one ever gets Soul Stoned, baby. And I want it to happen. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they had done something different from this scene. Like maybe explored it from a different perspective or showed some kind of like... Uh, like twist on it but it's the exact same mechanism maybe if this was a microcosm of the whole movie where you have an impossible situation that seems to require like death and loss but you because you're a hero find another way and make the impossible possible that might be fun 
No, we, we got to reinforce the themes of the last movie, which is that dying or killing your loved ones is the best thing you can possibly do. Uh, the ultimate mark of a hero. Right. But anyway, since they fucked up with Loki and Loki got away with the Tesseract, they got to find some other way to get the Tesseract. But th- Luke, they don't have enough pin particles, so they got to go somewhere where there's pin particles and there's the Tesseract. Right. So any time before the snap where they could just go talk to fucking uh, Pim and get pin particles. Literally any time. Like, they could just go back to the Avengers 2012 again, do it right, and then just drive down the street and go talk to Pim. I believe that Pim is enough of a dick that even if it would save the universe, he wouldn't give it to Tony. You know what? Actually, you're right. I take it back. Stan Lee gets his last cameo where he drives past the S.H.I.E.L.D. base and he's like, make make love, not war, man. Uh-huh. Tony calls S.H.I.E.L.D. a quasi-fascistic intelligence organization. He does, but that's because he knows that they're ruled by Hydra at this point. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's why they're bad. Yeah. America has always been good, except for the times when Nazis took it over in secret. Did they explain why Tony knows this is the place where the stuff definitely is? I... No. He just says, don't don't tell me... Don't ask me how I know. I just know. Why didn't they go here in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, why didn't they? Well, because they wanted to try to get... There was... No, you're right. There's... Yeah, they can split up into as many teams as they need to. Yeah, that's true. They could have just just had Tony do this part. Yeah, I don't know. It's really easy for Tony to sneak into the Tesseract place and just put it in a briefcase. It's way easier for him to do that than for Steve to sneak into the PIM lab. I guess he's got special glasses to help him. He does have his Google Glass. That's true. How did Tony know the Tesseract was in 1970? Let's see here. Uh, this, is a, this is an article from Sci-Fi Wire. Iron Man and Captain America's historic mission in Avengers Endgame explained. Let's see. Of where and why and when exactly did Tony and Steve go after plans for the high score? Uh, this is just describing what happens in the movie. Well, okay. In Iron Man 2, he has his dad's journal and there's a drawing of the Tesseract in there. Okay, that's it then. That's all. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, how's he know Pim's here? Whatever. It's fine. Well, I mean, yeah, that that part's easier for me to believe than him knowing where the Tesseract is. But whatever, it does not matter. You get uh, the return of John Slattery as Howard Stark. Yeah. He's really nice to this guy. He is. We, we, we heard so much about how Stark's a fucking asshole, but he is just nice to this man he just met. He's just very polite and pleasant. Well, maybe he subconsciously knows that he's his son, even if he doesn't right. understand that. So he's like, I gotta be nice to this man, even though I hated my son in real life. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like that they keep making fun of Tony's facial hair. Yeah, everyone hates his facial hair in the 70s. Tony and his dad have a conversation because his dad's having a kid. He's like, oh man, I'm so stressed. It's like, I I would do anything for this kid and I haven't even met him, but how do I raise him right, you know? Yeah, Tony's just like, ah, I don't know, one time my dad told me that no amount of money ever bought a second of time, and he's like, oh damn, cool. Cool. Thanks, uh, Howard Potts. Howard Potts. I do like the little shot of Pim in his lab. They got, like, the classic Ant-Man helmet on the counter. Uh-huh. And he's yeah, got yeah. his stupid haircut uh-huh. from the 70s. But yeah, Steve steals uh, some Pim particles. He almost gets caught, but he doesn't. It's fine. And uh, everything's fine. There's also just, like, a ton of ant farms in his lab. And I like that, like, ants and shrinking are completely disconnected, but they just let him study both. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember. Isn't there something with, like... 
the origin of Ant-Man in the comics. Like, he shrinks in a cave and, like, manages to, like, use ants to escape. And then that, like, inspires him to make the ant helmet. Maybe. Or some shit like that. I don't know. Maybe he's just, a while he just likes that ants. Wikipedia page. He just likes ants. He's like, listen, this guy knows how to shrink stuff. We gotta let him have his ant farms. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't know. They all get the stones. Does anything else happen? Well, oh, hold on. There's one very important thing. Oh, what's that? We get to see Howard Stark's butler, Jarvis. Yeah, what the fuck with that? <laughs> what, what do you mean? The idea that Tony, like, I'm gonna make an AI based on my dad's butler. Well, the reason this is important is because he is a character from the TV show Agent Carter. Oh. oh this is the uh, only time the movies have referenced the TV shows in any way. Oh, okay. Oh, I guess speaking of Agent Carter, Steve also sees Peggy in here. Yeah, he sees Peggy for a second. He's like, damn, I'm still obsessed over the first girl who was nice to me. Yeah, I... I mentioned it before it is for like it's treated as like oh it's beautiful he finally gets what he's wanted after all this time it has reached the point where it is now creepy and stalkerish that steve still hasn't gotten over this woman it's not sweet it's creepy it's been over a decade since he woke up from the ice uh-huh he yeah uh it sucks you have two beautiful boyfriends right here in the present, Steve. He is really quick to abandon Bucky, huh? Uh-huh. Anyway, they capture Nebula. Nebula's pretending to be Nebula, so she goes to the future with everyone else. Yes. And they have all the Infinity Stones, they saved the day, and there's like a little bit of business made out of like, wait, who's gonna do the snap, though? Oh, and also everyone's sad about Black Widow, I guess. Who yeah, cares? they make sure to establish that, because Thor's like, well, you know, who cares if she's dead? We'll just bring her back to everyone else. But Hawkeye says, well, the Red Skull told me that she's extra double super dead, so you can't bring her back. Uh, I guess we shouldn't even bother trying then. <laughs> but he does try. Oh, right, he does. That's true. But, yeah. They present it as, like, well, no sense trying then. And then Hulk does anyway because he's just a, a lovesick fool. Yeah, they they don't earn that because they haven't had any Natasha Hulk contents other than them kind of, like, smiling at each other for two seconds. When did Ultron come out? 2015. So six, uh, what, I guess four years since they five years? Boy, oh boy. <sighs> Bad movies. Yeah, the Hulk says, you know, the radiation coming off the gauntlet is mostly gamma. It's like I was made for this. Right. And, I mean, he does it. He fixes everything. Yeah, he snaps. Uh, everything's back to normal. It's all good. But, Luke, there's still like an hour of this movie left. How is that possible? Yeah, how is it possible? They, they did the thing, right? They saw the... Oh, I mean, maybe they'll focus on like, you know, like emotional beats, like with like what the world looks like after this, how everyone's like handling this this huge change. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. I mean, they've kind of already lost the chance to do a cool thing with that, but, you know, hey, you could try. Yeah. Um. Uh, Nebula summons all the Thanos guys from the past. So now Thanos and his whole army are here. Oh. And they shoot rockets at the Avengers base. This fight is so goddamn long. Why is this so ugly? It's so ugly and it's so long. People keep joking that the Snyder Cut of Justice League looks like uh, the box art for a graphics card. That's just because they're trying to copy this. Well, everyone did love this and holds it up as some of the greatest cinematography of all time, Luke. I do 
people say that. It's not. It's not even the best. Best in this movie. At its height, this movie has perfectly serviceable cinematography. There is no shot or sequence in this movie where I am wowed by the moving images and camera, uh, you know, maneuvers of the filmmakers. There's nothing that comes even close to Iron Man eating donuts inside the big donut. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, for like a whole goddamn hour, we just have a CGI bullshit session. Hawkeye has to protect the gauntlet from the dogs. Yeah. Then Captain America and the other two guys get their butts kicked by Thanos. Even I guess Thor can't fight as good because he's fat. Yes, they don't really say that. But... Even though he almost beat Thanos last time, but he can't fight as good. Yeah, and he's got two hammers now. He got two hammers. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nebula uh, convinces Gamora to uh, betray Thanos and go help her stop past Nebula, but then past Nebula won't see reason, so they have to kill her. They have to kill her, Crystal. This is, like, almost good, but then it isn't. Yep. If you described this to me, I'd be like, oh, that's a neat little end cap for Nebula's story. Aren't cool, but they don't do it right. The idea, yeah, of Nebula having to confront her past self and, like, grow beyond it. Yeah, that sounds good, but this sucks. They just really love to see Nebula get tortured and killed. They really do! It's fucked up! Let's do some math on Gamora. So if you get soul-stoned, you, you're, like, extra double dead. Then her her past self is now in the future to be in Guardians 3, so she's, like, one and a half times dead? I guess so. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was gonna say, I don't know if you're double dead. The way I took it, and it's dumb regardless, my interpretation of the soul stone thing was... Well, you can't get her back because you traded her for the Soul Stone. So you can't use the Soul Stone to get her back because then you'd lose the Soul Stone and you wouldn't have it. But I guess that's really just trading back. That doesn't make sense. I think you're right. She's just double dead. You know what I'd do is I'd use my wish to bring the other stones back. So now you have two sets of stones. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And now you can use the other stones to get to undo the soul stone. I will say it's it's a little uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like um convenient, but at least it justifies some things in this movie that every time you use the infinity stones, the infinity gauntlet, it fucking hurts and unless you are some kind of hulk it probably kills you. I will say, Rocket has a line back in Asgard that's something like, your mom's, like, really dead, but these other people are only kind of dead. Right. And it's weird to me that it's assumed in the text of this film from the beginning yes. that, like, being snapped is a different kind of dead than the other dead. It's the rapture, Crystal. It's the rapture. It's like... I guess you could say, like, oh, it's easier to make the wish if it's, like, very specific and directed. Or, like, oh, it, it, the stones can undo a stone thing more than they can undo other things, even though that doesn't really make sense. Like, I can, at least, I can ride along with that logic, even if it's dumb. But, man, Ultron was right. The imagination of the Avengers is extremely limited, and all they uh -huh. can do is turn back to the status quo. Yeah, well, that's all they ever do. Like, they, they tell Hulk, hey, make sure you don't change anything about the past five years. Just bring them back to right now, this moment. Crystal, like, three movies ago, the bad guy was a dude who wanted to help arm oppressed ethnic minorities around the globe to rise up against white hegemony. Make sure you don't <laughs> erase the past five years, because we need the Young Avengers to be old enough to do a Young Avengers movie in, like, three years. <laughs> 
Anyway, it seems <sighs> like the heroes are going to lose, but then Doctor Strange opens the portals and all the guys are here. You got Doctor Strange, you got Wong, you got Joe Biden, you got Kamala Harris, you got Bernie Sanders, you got T'Challa. I'm mad at you because you beat me to the joke. <laughs> here's the here's the thing to me. I I am not a robot. I had a little stir of like, oh, it's all my friends are back coming through the portal. Yeah. All right. This is great. Like, yeah, I've, uh, it's, it's Peter Parker. He's a lot. But then like the gathering stopped and they all started charging forward. I was like, oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I have to watch all of these people do a fight scene. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not a very good one either. Like Infinity War had a couple good fights. This movie doesn't have any. The Cap versus Cap fight is okay. It's okay. It's okay. You get some T'Challa's final action in this movie. You remember in Civil War when Hawkeye fought T'Challa and Hawkeye was like, hey, I don't think we've met. I'm Clint. And T'Challa was like, I don't care. Uh-huh. Well, in this movie, when they meet up, he's like, hey, Clint, give me the gauntlet. So now he knows who he is. That's a payoff to that classic uh, character moment, Luke. I, you know, I, I guess it technically is. <laughs> That's the last thing Black Panther gets to do mm-hmm. in any yep. of these movies. Yeah, and now Chadwick Boseman is gone. Anyway, uh, Captain America has the hammer now. Yeah, I mean, they really love that hammer. Hammer that Thor didn't need that, you know, was was a symbol of the Asgardian Empire used to conquer the Frost Giants, but it's right. cool. Right, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point, like, they're trying to basically play keep away with the gauntlet, um, and uh, the girl squad has to show that girls can kick butt too. Yeah, Wanda almost kills, like... Thanos's double Darth Maul sword is, I guess, made of vibranium because it can break Captain America's shield. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's made of, like, vibranium plus one. Wanda can break it, so she's the strongest Avenger. Yeah. And she yeah. nearly chokes Thanos, but then he calls down the bombardment and, like, distracts right. her. Right, yeah. And then Doctor Strange has to hold back the waterfall. If they had just sicked Wanda on him from the jump, these movies wouldn't happen. Yeah, but then she wasn't strong enough in the last movie to get him. But, well, he had the stones then he had the stones yeah uh speaking of having the stones there's a really what i find to be a very annoying part captain marvel shows up to blow up the ship to stop it from missling everybody uh and she fights thanos and he like knocks her away to put the gauntlet on so she's weaker than him without the gauntlet right because he beats her back and gets the gauntlet Uh uh-huh and then he has the gauntlet and he's about to snap but she like stops him and pulls his fingers apart and with the gauntlet he is like pushing down on her but she's resisting it and then he like headbutts her and she no sells it like she's a fucking dragon ball character so i guess she was weaker than him without the gauntlet but stronger than him with the gauntlet and then the way he counters that is to pull the power stone out of the gauntlet and all six stones together couldn't do shit to captain marvel but the power stone by itself he can punch her with and knock her out all right here's here's my rationalization for that okay the gauntlet is an iron man glove so iron man is telling the nano machines to like pull his punches <laughs> oh yeah sure why not uh, the, uh, yeah okay because that's how he also gets the stones back in the end he like touches he touches the glove and the nanomachines transfer the rocks to his glove 
Right. The, he probably should have included, like, an eject button, so they just barfed all the stones out if Thanos got it. I guess he thought Thanos was dead. At some point, Doctor Strange is like, I can't tell you what happens or what happens to Tony. But then when the fight gets desperate, he, he slowly says, makes, like, the one symbol with his finger. Yeah. And Tony knows he's gotta die. Yeah, sure. Uh, and yeah, Tony gets all the Infinity Stones out of uh, the gauntlet and is like, I am Iron Man, and snaps his finger. Bad take on that one. They use the bad take on that line. <laughs> I mean, I guess the idea is he's so exhausted from the fight that, like, he's just kind of sputtering it out. But, yeah, it's not a great take. Luke, why does he need to make the snap? Like, why does he need to snap his fingers? Well, well that, but also, why does this fight need to end with him snapping everyone into dust and dying? Because uh, it's ironic punishment for Thanos to get snapped, right? It's it's like a cool, cool, ironic punishment. Oh, like I- ironic Iron Man. Okay, I see what uh-huh. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's irony. Kind of seems like maybe he could just, like, fly in the air and shoot some laser beams. Sure, yeah. Kind of seems like they were winning this fight, and it it didn't get to such a desperate point, like, as long as you keep the stones away. Right. There's also a bit where they're like, oh, get the stones as far away from here as possible. Keep them away from Thanos. And they're like, no, we gotta send them back to their own time. Okay, I agree with you. You don't have to do that right now. <laughs> you can wait until uh, the man that wants to do ultra genocide with them is dead. You could wait, like, an hour to do that. There's no time limit on when that needs to be done. They had a better death for Tony in the last movie. How did, what happened when? When he get when he got stabbed by Thanos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Whatever. He he died for no reason and got it. The other funniest scene in this movie, <laughs> to me, uh-huh. is when, you know, Rhodey gets his moment with the dying Tony, and then Spider-Man gets his moment and starts crying all over him. Uh-huh. And then Pepper comes and, like, silently pries Spider-Man off of Tony <laughs> so she can talk to her dying husband's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you said when you put it that way you're yeah uh-huh <laughs> that hadn't really struck me in the moment but you're totally right yeah and i like her final words to him is like you know we're okay we can handle it you can you can die in peace and then she like breaks down crying yeah they still have the stones they could have just brought it back to life that's true they do still have the stones i mean the hulk might need like you know a, a couple weeks to rest but they can put the stones back at any time that's how time travel works yep <laughs> as long as they put them back eventually they can keep them as long as they want yeah, they they truly have the power to do anything they want. They have the power of God. And I can understand the argument of like, well, we shouldn't use that. We can't like, you know, we can't possibly foresee all the consequences if we did even like a well-intentioned thing. But something like bringing Tony back to life doesn't really fall under that, you know? I bet that would probably take less energy than the other stuff. You would think, yeah. Because it's like, you think if Tony was taking as much damage as Thanos or Hulk, he would just explode into bits. Like, he wouldn't be scarred, he would be, uh, goo. Yeah, yeah. But his wish uses less energy, I guess, because he's only snapping, like, a thousand guys. Right, instead of a trillion guys. Hawkeye gets back to his family. Peter Parker goes back to school. (laughs) It's a return to normalcy. Yeah, yeah. We get to see Peter's friend, which, you know, that's fun. Ned. Ned, I forgot his name. Scott and, uh, Hope are raising their daughter now. Yep. Wakanda Uh, exists. Yep. (laughs) 
uh, Gamora now exists in the Prime timeline again, but she's from uh, the other timeline, so she doesn't remember Quill. Yeah, and I guess uh, Thor has joined the Guardians of the Galaxy now. Yeah, he's he's abandoned Asgard, you know, he's abdicated the throne, he's put Valkyrie in charge, she's a better leader than him. Valkyrie, who talked about how she hates the, the king and the throne and the whole Golden Sham, says... Asgard needs a king. <laughs> and then Thor says, it already has one. You're the king. And she's like, yeah, I'll be the king. <laughs> oh, just, just write better. <laughs> the whole Marvel Universe bows on their knee to respect Tony Stark, the greatest guy who ever lived. Yep, even Nick Fury's here. Even the kid from Iron Man 3 is here, unaccompanied. Yeah. <laughs> Where's his mom? <laughs> Did he drive here by himself? I guess so, yeah. Uh, he might be old enough to be an adult. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, considering considering the effect five years had on Cassie, yeah, he's probably a grown man by now. He, he's got his own house, a mortgage, children of his own. Everyone's at Tony's funeral, and then Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch go off and have their little mini funeral for Black Widow. <laughs> uh-huh, because who gives a fuck about her, I guess? And and the Vision, too. Yeah. It does suck super bad that, uh, they, I mean, fuck Scarlett Johansson, but the idea that they're not making a Black Widow movie until well after they kill off her character is very funny. I don't know what the purpose, why they did that. Who gives a shit anymore? The time to do that was, like, after Iron Man 2. <laughs> I also don't know why they extra double killed her. Yeah, so it'll be all the more shocking when she comes back for real. But, like, you, you made this whole movie about how death doesn't matter, but then you have the one that really matters. Right. Well, it's the girl ev- every death really matters except for the ones from the snap, because that was just for shock value. Not unlike all these other deaths. They're, they're meaningful. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's the... I have a dumb question that I don't really care about. What's, like, the premise for WandaVision in that, like, how come Vision's back? Uh, well, that hasn't been exactly explained yet, but basically it's Oh, they just kind of woke up in sitcom world or whatever? Yeah. Okay. It's Wanda's magic. Wanda doesn't seem like she has that kind of magic in the MCU, though. She just does, like, telekinesis. Yeah, they say that in the show. It's like, huh, this is way more powerful than anything she's ever displayed before. All right. Weird. Yeah, because, like, she has all sorts of crazy fucking powers in comics, right? Yeah, she can bend reality to her will. Right, and in the MCU, she only ever has telekinesis. Now she can uh, become pregnant and give birth within 12 hours. Boy, they make some choices in WandaVision, huh? (laughs) Anyway, the final part is they're going to send Cap back to bring back the hammer and all the stones. Yeah. And Cap says goodbye to Bucky, and Bucky's like, I'll miss you, almost as if he knows what's about to happen. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Because Cap doesn't come back in five seconds like he's supposed to. Instead, there's an old Captain America sitting at the bench nearby. Yeah, and he does the funny meme of, no, I don't think I will. That's the funny meme? Yeah, you haven't seen that? Like, every time someone, like, said, like, tells anybody online to do something, they just respond with a gif of, no, I don't think I will. I think I missed that one. Oh, it's like, yeah, that's all over the fucking place. I didn't know it was from this movie. You understood that reference now? Yeah, now I understand the reference. So, uh, oh, oh, I see. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's a thing uh-huh, he said uh-huh. in the first Avengers film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cap's like, you know, I went back in time to the 40s because I was obsessed with this girl. So I'm, I'm, you know, I know she had like, like a happy marriage and children. Right. It from my I'm, time. I'm friends with her daughter and I guess I'm just murdering her. Oh, niece. I don't think she had any kids. Oh, niece. Yeah. Sorry. It's been a while. Man, does that mean, whatever. He gives the shield to Sam and Sam's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but we'll make a TV show about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
then we end the film with uh, going back to the 40s and Captain America finally gets his dance with Peggy. Boo. This sucks. Let's break this one down. Because he, okay. here's what the directors of the film believe. Okay. That there was an alternate timeline where Captain America got with Peggy and history diverged and its own history. Oh, you're talking about like their explanation for how this isn't a plot hole? Yeah, but the writers oh, say, sure. no, it's all one timeline. There was an old Cap living with Peggy the whole time. And he what? was always her husband yep no there wasn't you're lying that's what the writers say luke okay the writers you know what hey they're writers that means they're liars yeah that wouldn't really make any sense with cap's character or peggy's reaction in the winter soldier nope the alternate universe i think makes a little more sense even though it contradicts the ancient one with cap's character because it would be yeah. pretty fucked up. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave Bucky to be tortured by Hydra, etc., etc. Right. Also, that would mean that Sharon Carter actually is his niece. Wait, yeah. What? No. That you can't you can't be kissing her then. It was already a little bit weird for you to be kissing her, but now it's extra double weird. Yeah, no. The writers are just wrong. It's everyone that says it's anything other than multiverse theory is wrong. They should listen to Bruce when he says that they're wrong. Then they have the credits where they give the actress signatures because this is a prestige blockbuster yeah well and you know for a lot of these people it's like they've done these roles for a decade and they're like taking a bow whatever fucking i if i liked these movies i would probably like that a lot you know yeah it's fine it's not a big deal it's, it comes off a little cheesy to me yeah I mean, that's the film. There's about, like, an hour of content in there and then two hours of bullshit. I'll be nicer and say there's 90 minutes of content. 90? Okay, half the movie is worthwhile. I think there is a really interesting, maybe even kind of, like, daring movie in here about, like, oh, what if the heroes just failed and had to, like, confront that and deal with it? And then a fun, you know, okay movie about, like, oh, what if we did, like, a time travel thing and cut to all the uh, old movies? You know, and I don't think those two things work together at all, but I think they're both fine. And then they both end up feeding into just the most gratuitous and boring fight I have ever had to watch. Well, I mean, it's a bunch of fan service, and it seems like the fans were served. A lot of people love that fight. Sure, yeah, people really like this movie. I that, that Crystal, that's been the thing since the start of this podcast, that people inexplicably love these movies that I think are mediocre to decent at the absolute best. I mean, they're good sometimes. Out of, like, 20 movies, I'd say there's, like... If I'm being nice, there are maybe four good ones. What are the four good ones? Avengers 1, Doctor Strange, Thor, uh, my gut's saying Iron Man 3, but I think I have something else in there that I'm forgetting about. I think Black Panther is your top one. Oh, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are all the ones that you gave Bs or higher. Right. I, I think I remember Iron Man 3 more fondly than I felt when I, like, watched it. I think if I rewatched it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is okay, but eh. Like, if you, the idea of Iron Man 3, I'm very into. Yeah, Iron Man 3 is a good movie. Uh, it's fine. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's a B. We both okay. gave it a B. Yeah, it's an okay movie. I stand by that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I, I didn't hate watching it like I did this. Would you like to take some questions? Yeah, we can take, well, do we want to do questions or grades first? I think let's let the grades do out till after questions. Okay, that's fine with me. Cameron asks, in a setting where death doesn't mean anything, is Gamora's fate the most unjust piece of writing? Hmm. It's up there for sure. Like, it is in the conversation. I think what puts her uh, make even 
worse than, say, Black Widow, uh-huh. is that she, by all rights, should be the main character of the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're Man, uh, now I'm thinking, what if they had done it where Infinity War has Gamora as the main character and uh, Endgame was Nebula as the main character? Yeah. That'd be way better. <laughs> yeah, what if Nebula was the one to snap? And because she's like a robot lady, she can take it. Fuck! Why isn't Nebula the one to... They have a scene establishing that she can do super painful, fucked up stuff because of her body. Yeah, well, because Tony's the coolest guy. No! God damn it! Tony's the coolest, smartest guy, the most heroic in the universe. Why isn't that scene set up that's paid off by Gamora being the snapper? Oh my god, I hate this movie even now, more Luke, now. Now, you know what's really funny about that is that she does that in the comics. Now, when you say that, do you mean like the classic Infinity War story or some kind of comic at like modern thing? The the Infinity Gauntlet story. She takes the glove off of Thanos' body and is like, haha, now I have the glove. God, I'm so mad. Yeah, they, they, Nebula made perhaps number two most unjust. Especially after the first scene this movie tricked me into thinking she would have a bigger role. Oh man, I, that's the fun of Marvel movies, is that the longer you think about them, the angrier they make you. Yeah, that's why I wanted to let it stew. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, Cameron also asked, does the final gathering hit different knowing what Chadwick Boseman was going through when filming it? I think the shot of Chadwick Boseman hits different. I think it definitely highlights how much they wasted him in these movies. Yep. Kay asks, who's your favorite Avenger who hasn't shown up in an Avengers movie yet? Ooh, I might have a hard time answering this one because my Marvel knowledge is not that. Do you have one? I don't, my favorite, I don't know, Black Knight? Um, like, Ms. Marvel might be the only one I can even, like, name. Oh, uh, uh, She-Hulk would be up there too, She-Hulk. And they, they foreshadowed her so long ago back in the Captain America movie. That's true, they did. Maybe they'll, uh, reference that in the She-Hulk, uh, television film. I'll be shocked if they're allowed to be that fun. Jacob asks, how do you feel about Endgame's depiction of time travel versus other depictions of time travel in film? What makes for a good time travel in a movie? You're the time travel head, Luke. Yeah, um, as far as the depiction of time travel, it's fine. We talked about it's literally just Back to the Future 2, and I think that's, you know, it's fun to edit in the actors into footage of the actors. Like, you know, sure. Um, what makes a good time travel in a time travel movie? I personally, and I think based on what you were saying earlier about Back to the Future 3, I think we might disagree about this i'm usually not big on time travel stories where it's just like ah now we are in roman times let's be in roman times now i like it when you get weird with time travel and get like complicated with the ways it fucks with like cause and effect or just like really just play out all the weird consequences of it even if there's like plot holes or it doesn't all hang together on a logical level just the idea of like like one of my favorite movies is primer a movie where the time travel gets so complicated that i think by the end you can't even explain it and any chart any weirdo on the internet's written is just speculation i haven't seen primers so maybe that one would change my mind but i would agree with you in theory like in theory i like a big complicated thing where it gets really weird and psychological Uh uh-huh but in practice i tend to not be satisfied by those sure okay so i prefer i do prefer one where it's like the time travel is just an excuse to have like character dynamics that you couldn't get otherwise like back to the future i agree with that too yeah that's the other good way to have it yeah back to the future does it really well because back to the future one doesn't actually care about time travel that much it cares about like the familial relationships and the time travel is just 
a high concept way to explore them. Um, I'm trying to think of other time travel movies. What else we got? Like, there's Terminator, which is not a great time travel movie. Like, I like there's Terminator. A, oh, they're good movies, but like as far as time travel, st- like usually they're at their worst when they get in the weeds about time travel. You know? Right, Genesis. <laughs> I have not seen Genesis. I didn't like Looper. <laughs> I enjoy Looper. It's not my favorite movie, but I think it's pretty good. The thing that fucked me up about Looper, and I feel like I do run into this with more complex time travel stories, is that, like, you you can kind of just make any arbitrary plot decision and justify it. What are you thinking of with Looper? Like, at the part, maybe I just didn't pay attention to the movie enough, but I don't really understand. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen Looper, but that made sense to me. Because if you... Yeah, Donald Darko's a time travel film. I have not seen Donald Darko. I'm afraid that uh, I missed my chance to enjoy Donald Darko by not watching it when I was 15. It's it's not a great film. I've, I've, that's what I've heard. Basically, what I want from a time travel movie is either you be a complex thing and you explain it good, yeah. or don't explain it at all. I, I agree with that. We touched on it very briefly. We both saw Tenet. I think I like Tenet more than you like it. I mostly like Tenet because it makes... It just comes up with some weird visuals out of its time travel idea. The actual story kind of is fucking stupid. But there is sure a backwards car chase in that movie, and that's fucked up and cool to look at. I think Chris Nolan would be great if he let other people write his films. You might be right about that, yeah. Tenet is another one where it's like... It, it feels like a series of completely arbitrary decisions on the plot that I'm sure if you drew out a chart, uh, it makes yeah. sense why you do it. But in the moment, it's just like... I don't know. I guess this is happening now. Tenet has the pulls the excuse of, well, this is what's going to happen, and therefore the things that make it happen have to happen. And if they seem arbitrary, well, too bad. That's what's predestined to happen because time travel. Right. Doctor Strange is the greatest wizard of all time, destined to be the best of us. Hey, you know it's a pretty good time travel movie. Is the climax of Doctor Strange? Now that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think we're yeah, we can. That's where we can come together. <laughs> He's the protagonist of Tenet. He's the protagonist. He is the protagonist. You don't need to know his name. He's just the protagonist. That'd be so fucking stupid. I... Chris Nolan can't write dialogue. Let someone else write his fucking movies. He can direct cool action scenes. That's fine. I think I agree with you. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of hate Tenet, and I kind of had a good time with it. I I think Tenet would be... Tenet's a great trailer. Tenet's a great, like, you know, back when Neil Blomkamp was making, like, here's a concept for what a Halo movie would be. Sure. Tenet's a good series of disconnected action scenes. Uh, yeah, that's true. I wonder if The Prestige holds up. I remember that being the one that's like, this is a good movie. The Prestige, uh, it's been a few years since I've last seen it, but I like it still. Batman 3 is good. I have not seen Batman 3 since the theater, so. Mr. Wayne. The the best thing about Dark Knight Rises is the Bane voice. Tom Hart, yeah, Tom Hardy's great. He elevates every Chris Nolan film. That's true. <laughs> Cameron asks, of those written out of a big battle for being too powerful, who got written out more blatantly? Quicksilver getting shot or Doctor Strange having to fight the ocean? Uh, I mean, Quicksilver got shot so long ago that I don't know if you get to say that, oh, they just had to get rid of him because of... Oh, I guess just compared... Yeah, okay. That's what you're saying. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it is silly that the guy who's super fast got shot to death. <laughs> You know, now that you say it, I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. It's like in the X-Men movies, he only shows up occasionally because 
he's so powerful that you you can't have him around because then you can't write a story. Right. Uh, my vote is for Quicksilver because I like him and I wish he stuck around. Chris asks, do you think the cliff of dead women accepting Black Widow means that Clint actually hated her? Since it's clear from Avengers 3, it's not about sacrificing people you love. No, it just uh, validates that Thanos really did love Gamora. Right. Yeah. It's just in case you had any question. Here's extra proof. Right. Again, it'd be so much better if the Soul Stone sucked and it was like, ah, that didn't count as you didn't sacrifice her. She sacrificed herself. Ha ha. I want the Soul Stone to be an evil genie. No, it's just the proof of uh, a loving sacrifice. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. AJ asks, how did it feel to finally see the Russos bravely and crew the queer character in the MCU? <laughs> I feel like we pretty much talked about it, right? It was uh, it was very validating. It made me want to eat an Oreo cookie. <laughs> By the time anyone hears this, they won't know what that means. Yeah, Oreo posted today, uh, trans people exist. I like that it's not even like, like, trans people are valid, or like, trans women are women. Just like, no, that's an extant thing. Trans people do do exist. It's the most non-committal way they could have done that dumbass tweet. Uh, Squall asks, what was the most insulting moment of this film, and why was it the girl Avengers Assemble scene? Yeah, that, it's between that one and uh, the gay support group, right? Hmm, most insulting moment of the film. Hell no, there's a lot. What, what else is on the table for you? Uh, Black Widow dying d- double extra for real. <laughs> yeah, that that is also And the Hulk saying, I tried to bring her back, but I couldn't because she's so dead. These movies are fucking dumb. They're very stupid. Remember when you liked these movies? Yeah, the the older ones were better. Yeah. What's the cutoff for you when it starts to, like, get bad? Ah. Uh, because you like Civil War, and that's relatively late into it. Uh-huh. You like Spider-Man, and Black Panther, and Ragnarok. Is Ragnarok, like, the last good one for you? Black Panther was good. Oh, right. I got them mixed up. Black Panther. Is I Black think Panther the, the, the Russo's movies are bad, except for Civil War. But they, like, they sold these movies, these two, as, like, the, the culmination of the universe. But they don't really feel like that. They just feel like their own little stupid story. Yeah. They feel like the culmination in a few little ways. Like, it mostly feels like, hey, let's all give a round of applause for Robert Downey Jr. for launching the most successful movie franchise of all time. I would say part of what has dashed my enthusiasm for these is... Early on, part of the appeal was like, oh man, what are they going to do next? What are they building up to? Sure. But then I saw what they built up to, and it fucking sucked. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. So it's hard to be too excited for the future. I get ya. Uh, Let's see, any more questions? Oh, Johan828 clarifies, in Iron Man 3, the techno battle about FPS wasn't frames per second, it was feet per second. Anthony was saying to optimize barrel width to your average spud. This is the only thing y'all talked about that I felt needed addressed. Hey, you know, getting one thing wrong out of some 20 episodes, I feel pretty good about it. J-Bob asks if you write Avengers 4, not 3, just 4, who would be the one to kill Thanos? Nebula. Yeah, Nebula. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Patch asks, how angry are you that Tony gets a big funeral send-off and all Natasha gets is, no, she's definitely dead, even though the stones can't help but well. It sucks really bad. (laughs) Strawberry Fields asks, my sister expected Thanos to give up and reverse everything in Avengers 4. Would that have worked as a screenplay? Um, I think that might be interesting if they, like, 
convince Thanos, like, Thanos saw the error of his ways. I would be open to that concept, but I would need to, you'd need to really put some legwork in to sell me on it. They're not good enough. Marcus and McFeely cannot pull that off, no. Uh Uh-huh. Final question. What I keep asking for in different ways is I think it would be cool if the culmination was a movie that had little to no fighting in it. Yeah, that'd be great. Like, if this was, if this was a movie about, like, arguing with Thanos? Yeah, sure. I was, when he gets snapped, he, like, sits down and is, like, devastated while his army turns to dust and then he turns to dust. I thought surely they were going to have a little bit of dialogue with him then to drive like the themes home and like explain why he's wrong and why he lost or whatever. But instead he just sits there and stares off into space and then dies. Yeah, when he is confronted with the idea that like the people in the world he made don't appreciate it, his response is... Oh, well, if people remember the old world, they won't, they can't appreciate what can be. So I just have to erase everyone's memories. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to destroy the universe and make a new one and fill it with life. And that way they won't know what I've taken from them, only what I've given to them. Stupid villain. A- again, cannot emphasize enough. If he has the power to kill half of all people, he has the power to double all resources. And also, that's not the problem in the first place. Okay, final question from Ensign Redshirt. What's the most romantic moment? Most romantic moment. Because, like, the, the gut reaction answer is Steve and Peggy, but I find it creepy. Um, I don't know. What about when uh, Peter went back and saw Ned and they stared at each other and did their little handshake? That's pretty good. I was going to say, what about um old Steve and Sam? Oh, that's true. Old Steve and Sam. Even though Bucky's the one he likes, who he abandons. He risked everything to save Bucky and then just abandons him. Maybe Bucky I... wants to go back to the 40s. Yeah, it doesn't even... Well... I think because Bucky already knows, the the presumption must be made that he, like, knows about the plan. He could have gone back if he wanted to. What the fuck is he doing here? Being the the White Panther or whatever? Yeah, being White Tiger. The White Wolf, that's his name. White Wolf, right, okay. Anyway, now that the movie's digested in your stomach a bit, Uh what's your grade? It sucks ass. The main thing I'm really trying to think about is if it is better than Infinity War. And I think it is because... I cannot name one scene from Infinity War that I was like, ooh, I like this scene, you know? The closest is, like, Thor and Rocket together. And that gets ruined by the fucking, uh, false eye that was in someone's butthole. Yeah. So I think it's better than Infinity War. Trying to think about it versus Ultron, another movie I don't like. Ultron, at least, like it's it's worse than Ultron. Yeah, easily by far. Ah, uh, it's worse than Ultron. Yeah, for reference, you gave Ultron a D plus, Infinity War a D. Yeah, so I, I think this also gets a D. D. Let's see, better. It's closer than I thought between this and Infinity War. I thought this is easily better than Infinity War at least, but hey, you know what? Why the fuck did I give uh, Infinity War a D? Give that bad boy an F. Okay, F for Infinity War, and what's this one get? Also an F. F. Failure. Do not pass my class. No. I would rather watch Thor the Dark Dark World than Endgame, and that's saying something. Okay, so for Infinity War, bad film, I think it maybe fills its time a little better, despite also being way over stuff. I think Infinity War is aggressively mediocre the entire time. I think this movie has lower valleys and higher peaks. I agree with you. Lower valleys, higher peaks... It's too fucking long. They're both too fucking long, though. Yeah, but this one is extra too fucking long. How long was Infinity War? 
Like two and a half hours. Okay, I guess that's I guess that's a half hour shorter. Yep. And that one maybe has more content than this film. It's two hours forty minutes, so you know. Uh, let's see, D minus Infinity War. You know what? I'll tie it. I'll give this one a D minus two. Yeah. That's the end of the show, Luke. There's only one more MCU film to do before we're all caught up. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of, yeah, th- thanks to the novel coronavirus, Marvel didn't outpace us again. This one is the conclusion to the Infinity Saga, but there's. A, a coda to the in, an epilogue to the Infinity Saga, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Spider-Man: Far From. Remember, listeners, you can check the whole report card at bit.ly/marvelgpa, and you can send emails to mcucompleteme at gmail.com. I'm looking up an Avengers joke. Okay, <laughs> we sound so defeated. Yeah, I, I mean, sound defeated. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. It's like, man, th- this is your big culmination. Yeah. I'm vindicated, and I still feel defeated. <laughs> I can take no solace in this victory. Upjoke.com slash Avengers dash jokes. How do the fallen Avengers talk to each other? <sighs> How? Snapchat. Did I say that one already? If you did, I don't remember. This is a time travel movie. It's okay if you did. <laughs> Okay, here's an extra one just in case. So I finally right. watched Avengers Endgame last night. It's about time. Oh, uh, that's, that's like Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, like Crash Wait, Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Yeah. Not my Crash 4. Wait, what's your Crash 4? The one on the PS2. Have they made two different games called Crash Bandicoot 4? There wasn't a 4 in the title, but there wasn't a 3 in Crash Warped either. But there was a fourth Crash Bandicoot game for PS4. PS2. They should make They should uh, make Naughty Dog go back to make Crash Bandicoot. They don't get to make like realistic uh, torture. I'm so sad they shut down sony japan studio it sucks so bad like i basically don't care about anything sony makes anymore they just make stupid fucking dad games uh-huh hawkeye yeah. games shit that hawkeye would play hey now that's not fair they also make uh games about uh white indigenous people yeah or commercials for all the playstation products uh-huh yeah, man. Remember that commercial for Death Stranding that was like a city being flooded, filmed in reverse because a man was crying so hard at Death Stranding? <laughs> imagine crying at Death Stranding, Crystal. I, you know, a game I think we both like, but imagine crying at it. I played Metal Gear Solid recently. Yeah. And it made me be a little more gentle in my evaluation of Death Stranding. Kojima <laughs> was always that guy. To varying degrees, absolutely, you're right. I think he's gotten... I think MGS4 is a bit of a turning point for him. Yeah. Which, I like MGS4 more than most people. But you can see the seeds of Death Stranding in that game. It's just because Portable Ops stole his lunch. Yeah, I mean, basically all the plot revelations of MGS4 were already in Portable Ops. Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, Portable Ops is the game that explained what the Patriots were. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's why I made Peace Walker. Same as Metal Gear 2. It's like, fuck you for making a sequel to my game, I'll do it better. Let's end the show. Peace Walker's okay. I kinda like Peace Walker. Yeah, Peace Walker's alright. We should go. We should go. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Now, every vote must be counted. No one's going to take our democracy away from us.